Hey, I'm Ash. And I'm Sid, and you're listening to Reclaimed, a spiritual health podcast. A developmental podcast that focuses on spiritual health and physical wellness through the lens of our loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're hungry to end confusion in the why me of your health struggles, you've come to the right place. We're here to talk about how to make unbelievable beauty from hopeless health issues, fully glorifying God through the process. Be sure to follow along by subscribing to our show on any podcast player so you can stay up to date on newly released episodes. We are so excited to travel down this road with all of you as we learn how to reclaim our spiritual health and find restoration of faith within our bodies.
We're going to be in verses 32 through 37. I'll give you a second to get there. As you might notice, this is the story of David and Goliath. You might be like, okay, Sydney, I wanted something like juicier than a kid's story that I learned when I watched Veggie Tales. Like, I know how this goes. It's David is over here, and he's an Israelite, and he just works with sheep. And then Goliath is this nine-foot giant, and he's supposed to kill him, and all of the Israelites don't want to do it. And then David comes up to King Saul and is like, I'll fight him. And then Saul's like, no, you won't. And then Goliath is like, David, come here, let me kill you. And David's like, Goliath, you don't want no smoke, just... And then they go at each other, and then David throws the stone, and it hits Goliath, and, and he's dead, and yay! What? That's not how the story goes! That's so not how the story goes, and I'm going to clarify a lot of that for you today. So, 1 Samuel 17, 32-37. Are we all there? Yeah. Cool. 32. This is David talking to King Saul. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go find him. 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, verse 35, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it to this pagan Philistine, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And he said, may the Lord be with you. Bow your heads and pray. God. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity for me to exercise what I've learned this summer and have you speak through me to this body of people. I pray that you take away this ugly, nasty cough that I have, and I might cough a lot on this stage, but please don't let the enemy have a hold of my body while trying to communicate your word, Jesus. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 34. Watch your Bibles again. But David persisted. But David persisted. What did David persist against? This would be Saul. He's standing in front of Saul, like from me to Tim, maybe. I don't know. And he's like, I'll fight him. And Saul's like, no, little boy, you're not going to. Because he's been a man of war since his youth, and you're just a shepherd boy. But David persisted. And the reason that the word persistence is so apparent in the story is because David said, okay, when God said, go. God said, move. God said, go forward. Don't run back when Saul says that you're less than. He said, go. Why do we sometimes stop? or run back when God says go? I think that's a big reflection that we can take is why is it that when I am facing something that seems bigger than me, I run back 
or maybe I run to the side. Maybe I just try to get counsel from all these people when really God said, I already gave you the answer. I already said go. Why do we stop when God says go? Tonight, let's focus on this main way. I want you to write this down. How you view your life now determines how you experience it later. How you view where you are right now determines your future. And what's an example? If you view yourself as a loser, I'm nobody, I just work at Costco, that's it, then you're going to experience things in your future as a loser would. I'm not saying that if you work at Costco, you're a loser. Sorry, that was personal. If I view myself as a winner, as a confident woman that deserves to be standing on the stage, then I'm going to experience the joy and the prosperity that God has for me later in life. There's going to be three points tonight. Write this first one down. It's going to apply to the story. And look at the story from a perspective of how ancient battle scenes can relate to us. Yeah. I think that's cool. I don't know if you think that's cool, but I think it's cool. Number one, how you view David determines how you view yourself. Write that down. How you view David determines how you view yourself. Who is David? Do we know David? David, let's look at the facts. David is an Israelite boy. He's a shepherd. He's one of eight brothers that all fight in this war against the Philistines. He's the youngest. And I think the Bible also says he's the smallest. Those are the facts about David. I'm sure that lots of us have watched VeggieTales in our life and have been subject to the idea that David holds this improbable victory because he's so small and I think Goliath was like a big cucumber and he like blocked out the sun and it was really dramatic. So we've always viewed this story as David is the underdog. But if you have been taught that David is this little inexperienced shepherd boy, then you are going to subconsciously condition yourself to believe that you also hold an improbable victory. When you look at David as yourself and say, I don't, I don't deserve to walk down that field to the valley and, and face my enemy. I'm just going to stay back here and I'll, I'll just hang out with sheep. Or you can view David as not the underdog, as not the youngest, as not one of eight brothers that's less than, but one that is highly anointed and favored and God is preparing him to do something that he doesn't expect. What have we been taught? through VeggieTales, or maybe you grew up in Kiki Beach over here, and have been taught that David's just this little guy, and Goliath is like, Wah. We've been taught that he has an improbable victory because we're not looking at what he used to defend himself. He used not a slingshot, not a slingshot. He used a sling. A sling is this ancient form of artillery got two big ropes, it's got a leather pouch in the middle, it's got a, a cord going up the center. An experienced slinger, like David, would take this sling, swing it around, 
And at the exact moment that he wants it to hit his target, and it would travel straight and hit him like a gun, basically. There's three kinds of warfare. There's cavalry. This does not apply to the story. This would be on horseback. There's heavy infantry. This is a foot soldier with a sword and a shield and a helmet. That's Goliath. And then there's artillery, which is archers. And there's slingers. David is the slinger. Who is David? Who is Goliath? Foot soldier, yeah! Who is David? Yeah! Okay, now that we have that straight, let's go on. Journalist Malcolm Gladwell, he studied the ancient ballistics of artillery. And he found out that through he made a slit and he used it with like someone in Israel that still uses a sling to like ward off animals like David did. And he found out, catch this, when a stone is launched from a sling, it travels 35 meters per second. You guys don't know what that means. That is the equivalent to the stopping power of a 45 millimeter handgun. Wow. He brought a gun! <laughs> he brought a gun into battle! Goliath's holding a sword, and David walks down the field with a gun. It's so, it's so obvious who won, but we don't, we don't question the Bible enough. You need to read. Oh, David brought up only a sling. What is a sling? Let's not assume things. Let's, let's dive in. That's what I'm trying to teach tonight. David had to know that the, the thing that he used to kill Goliath would cause so much chaos over him walking down with a sword, so he had to know that when he was practicing on the bears and the lions, that the same, <coughs> the same chaos that would happen there, the same death that he could slay like a lion with, he could totally beat a nine-foot giant, right? Becoming aware of your own strengths. Hold up. <laughs> Becoming aware of your own strengths will reveal where God has called you to use them. Are you David in this story? Can you apply yourself as David? Or are you one of the crap? Are you one of the people that sees Goliath coming down the field into the valley, says some things that might intimidate you, and you go, I'm not doing that. So, me? That guy? Maybe that guy. We don't want to be in the crowd because we're going to miss the opportunity of the prosperity that God can bring through the strength that he's prepared for you in advance. Number two, write this down. How you view Saul determines how you view the voices in your life. How you view Saul determines how you view the voices in your life. Let's go back to that verse 33. You're only, Saul says, you're only this. And Goliath's been this. You are only a shepherd. You are only the youngest one of your family. You are only the chief guy. And Goliath has been this. He uses what he knows about David to take away what's great about him. Because he comes 
Saul comes with a limited perspective on David. He doesn't know that he's been preparing over here in the field, killing bears. Can we talk about that for a second? Killing bears is a big deal. It's a big deal. So for David to come up to Saul and be like, yeah, well, I killed some bears in the field. Like, we, we, we read that as like a dismissive comeback, but that's huge. So Saul had to look at David from the external and say, you're not it. You're not good enough for this assignment. But David persisted. But David persisted. Good intentions come with a limited perspective. In verse 38, we skip forward, and this is when Saul gives David the armor that he would use, that Saul would use, to go into battle. He gives him a sword. He gives him a breastplate. He gives him a helmet. And David puts it on, and he's like, no. And he takes it off. And he grabs the stones, and he starts walking down the hill. And I'm sure Saul's face was like, what? Like, he just gave him probably the most pristine armor that you could have. But Saul is coming at this battle thinking that he's fighting the same power that Goliath is. Heavy infantry to heavy infantry. Where David's like artillery to heavy infantry. I have a gun, but you don't know that. I think it's a pretty good war tactic. <laughs> Verse 40, this is when David reaches down, picks up his stones, starts walking down. It says David took only his sling. David took only his rod. I think it was a rod. I don't know. David took only. Not to say that it's less than what a heavy artillery man would take. He uses the word only. Saul uses the word only to diminish who David is. David uses the word only to accentuate who he is. Wow, yeah. that's good. People are gonna try to take away what's great about you based on what they already know about you. Let me say that. People are trying or going to take away what is great about you based on what they know about you. How many times have you approached someone with something that you wanted to do and they didn't give you the advice that you thought that you needed, but they only know a small section of you? That's the same situation that's going on with Saul David. Verse 34, but David persisted. The definition of persistence is to firmly continue on a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. It didn't say, David, what's the word? Scratch that. Definition of persistence, to firmly go against something that's coming towards you and persist forward. David had to acknowledge that what he was saying wasn't true to him. He didn't absorb it right away, and he moved forward. We have to get picky about who we listen to. Yes, good, sir. We need yeah. to get really picky about who we listen to because, newsflash, the world doesn't want great things for you. Yeah. There's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. When you hear something, it means that you're being a human and your ears work and a little sound wave can travel into your ear and you can register it as noise. That's hearing. Listening to something is being able to hear the the thing coming into your brain, addressing it as a stimuli and applying it to yourself. 
I think we can all probably reflect on something we've heard or something that we're choosing to listen to that we need to start hearing instead of listening. Because you can't go about life acting like, oh, I can't hear anyone and I just need to like be alone so no one hurts me because I can't take it if someone tells me that I'm not good enough. You're gonna hear it. You are going to hear it. I heard it at my brother's wedding on June 14th of this year. A family member of mine I had walked up to and he was in some small talk with another one of my family friends. And she was like, she was bragging about like, oh, Sydney, like she wants to be in ministry and I just think that's so amazing, like as a woman, and like that would be so encouraging and all this stuff. She was, and I just walked up at that time, right? It had nothing to do with it. And he looks at me and I was so caught off guard. He was like, no, you're not, you're not. Like, you're just, you're just a woman. And like, that's, that doesn't belong in the church. He said those things to me, my own family member. And I had to register it and go, I hear you, but I'm not listening to you. Because if I, if I listen to you, then that's going to derail everything that I prepared for this summer, everything that God has set up for me, even since I was five up here and trying to praise the Lord, that would devalue, if I believed that, that would devalue what God's trying to do in my heart right now. Yeah. The hard truth, the hard truth. Saul wasn't wrong about David. Saul said the facts. You're only a boy. Facts. He's a shepherd boy. Facts. He's never been in battle before. Facts. He's probably not qualified. Facts. Because that's what he knew about him. The person in my life that said those things to me, you're not going to be in ministry. Maybe. He could be right. I could be, this could just be, I don't know. But the thing is, is the people that say these things to you, that oppose what God is doing, they don't have the final say. That's right. They don't have the final say in what's good or what's not good for you. They don't have the final say in where your life is going based on what they already know. Even, sorry, mom, sorry, even your parents don't have the final say. Your friends don't have the final say. Your significant other doesn't have the final say. God has the final say, and if you don't realize what God's trying to tell you, then you're going to listen to people and not hear them. Who's your soul? Who's your soul? Your soul could be yourself. Your soul could be a friend. Your soul could be a family member. Your soul could just be simply the enemy feeding lies to you. Do you value what he or she says more than what God has already said? If you don't know what God has already said, then we need to get in the word and we need to get your ears listening to what God has already said. You can reflect on things in your life that seem insignificant and connect that directly back to what God is doing for right now because the way you view yourself right now determines how you experience it later. Let's go to point number three. Number three, write this down. <coughs> wow. How you view Goliath determines how you view the devil. How you view Goliath determines how you view the devil. Verse eight, this is back in the scripture. This is when Goliath is walking down into the valley. I don't know if I made this clear. 
Philistines are up on this field. Israelites are up on this field, and there's a big valley in the middle of them. So Goliath is walking down to this valley, and he starts taunting the Israelites. He starts saying things that are, like, really dramatic. But the power that Goliath holds over the Israelites is not because of his size. He's not even tall. Okay, whatever. It's the words that he's saying that holds fear for the Israelites. Sometimes the things that we go through hold power over us because we have broadened the impact of the words that the enemy may be speaking into that. We associate fear with size, Goliath's nine feet tall, and power through the words that he says. When I thought of this analogy, it brought me to a movie that is definitely my favorite movie. It's probably all of your favorite movie too, but you just don't know it yet. And it's one that I definitely look to for a lot of guidance and a lot of wisdom. In Surf's Up. <laughs> yeah. This is when Tank and Kobe are at the Big Z Memorial Surf Up. <laughs> Has anyone not seen this movie? where you're watching a fight 
and someone's like clearly winning, but they're like still going at them. And you're like, okay, okay, you're, you won, it's fine, you can be the arm. That's exactly what, what David did. He ran up to him, took the sword that meant to kill him, sliced his head off. And you don't come back up, 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 up. But you just keep going down because life just sucks and, 
and he's not with you. No, he's with you because it's been modeled in the earth that highs and lows, highs and lows, ups and downs, goods and bads, positive and negatives. It's how our life is designed too. But you have to acknowledge that God is also in the valley with you. Yeah. You're going to have to acknowledge that we're not going to find comfort where we are in life, where you view yourself right now. It might not be comfortable. It might suck. But not only is God there, but he has designed your future in a way that he wants you to prosper. He wants what's best for you. He might lead you down into a valley that feels too big, but he's going to bring you back up because he knows the final story, and he's beyond comprehensible. <coughs> yep. <laughs> Psalm 23, 4. David wrote the Psalms, by the way. And the way he writes songs, I don't think that he's writing from a place of, like, I know everything, and I have full confidence in God. Because the way that he writes it, verse, Psalms 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David's not saying, when I'm walking down the field, you comfort me. He's saying, God, you yourself comforts me when I do this because that's life, because I'm going to go down into the valleys, but he's going to bring me back up. And his hand was probably shaking when he walked down into the valley and when he was getting his stones ready, but he knew that this is what he had to do. He knew that this is what he had to do. And he persisted, not only just from Saul, but he persisted against the taunts of Goliath. Where is God in your life? Your life is fields and valleys. You may be in a field right now. You may be in a valley right now. Where is he? It's kind of a trick question because he is. He yeah. is. He will be in the valleys because he created the valleys and he created you. Yeah. He's in the fields where you might just be preparing. Oh, I might just be a college student and I'm not ready for this. That's huge. I don't think we give ourselves credit for what we do in college. Yeah. I think we need to remember that in college, we're preparing for the valley that might come in our career someday. And your professors are teaching you that right now, you may just be having some easy fun and whatever, and you're getting your classes done, but if that's really where God wants you, he's going to call you down into a place where you're going to have more impact on people in the future when you go through something than you would. If you just say it, it feels your whole life. I'm going through something right now that is so beyond comprehensible why I should be going through this. I'm not going to cry, oh my gosh. But I know that God has allowed me to go through this because it's something that is going to inevitably honor him in the end. And I'm starting with being on the stage. Are you allowing God to be the focus in the low valleys? Band, you can come back up. God has equipped you with certain gifts that you may not see yet, or you may not want to acknowledge yet. But you, you can use them to ultimately glorify Him in the end, or you can glorify yourself. And it may just, just be that. But God wants a big story for you. God wants you to take that step 
and walk towards something that your soul is not going to want you to because they don't know much about you. And you've got Goliath that looks a lot bigger than you. And he wants you to walk towards it. Chandler gave this analogy a bunch of times about how cows, cows run toward, is it cows or buffaloes? Or, cows run away from tornadoes, but, but buffaloes run towards the storm because they know that if I run towards it, I'll get through it faster. But if I keep running back like the crowd in Israel, if just someone else will do it, you're going to be in the storm way longer. Way longer. I want to encourage you to reflect one last time on who is your Goliath? What is your Goliath? Where is your Goliath? And can we open our palms like this? Some of us, some of us may need to stand for this. Some of us may need to be on our knees. But opening your palms like this is just a symbolic way of showing God. I don't know why I'm in this valley, but I know that you have called me to be here and I just want you to show me that I have enough strength and you prepared me in a way that I don't think I'm prepared for and that you're going to leave me back at the field with a trophy that I didn't see coming. Yeah. Keep your palms out. I want to encourage you to also reflect on God, you may need to give God a chance to clarify your mind of something that you may be seeing or listening a little bit wrong to. You may be listening to something that you need to start hearing and not accepting. You maybe need to approach that person that hurt you in a way that you have strength to do that, but you've just maybe been told enough in your life that you're not strong enough, that you're not going to be the straight, that you don't belong on the stage, that you're a woman, I think some of us have some baggage with some people that we love and some people that we need to stop listening to. Reflect, who's your Goliath? And where can I find freedom in my fight with him? Where can I find freedom that when I'm walking down to the valley, it may not be comfortable, it may not be super easy, but it's going to be something that's good for me because I can tell this story later when I'm king of Israel, newsflash, that's David, that he started here. The way he viewed himself when he was in the field determined his outcome when he was in the valley. The way you view yourself right now, I am strong, I am confident, I don't have it all together, but I know God does. And I trust him, and I don't trust myself because I get myself into trouble. But when God is forward, and I'm focusing on him, and I'm like Cody Maverick in the movie starts up, and I'm not listening to everything on the side or back or maybe in my peripherals, but I know that God is forward, and I'm just going to walk straight, and I'm not going to focus on anything else that might be telling me otherwise. Who is your Goliath? You do have it in you to defeat whatever it is that might Modeled in the Bible, tons of times, of people that, from the external, we're good. I'm sorry. Maybe some of us, from the external, we're not good enough for a role. People don't have the final say. Let's open our palms again. Sorry, I went on a tangent. Let's pray.
through this entire story. I don't think the enemy holds anything on my physical body and the physical ailments that I'm going through right now. In the name of Jesus, I need you to heal them and I need you to show me that I am going to be strong enough to get through something that is way bigger, that is way bigger than me. And I pray that there is someone in this room that feels like they are not enough, that feels like something that has overtaken them is too big of a battle, but this is how we fight our battles, God. I pray that you give clarity to the purpose of this body of people, that if any sheep goes astray, that you lead them back to this Find something. 